Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy Rock preaches a sermon titled, Submitting is Not What You Think, from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. Submitting to each other isn't about fear or avoiding punishment. It's a choice born out of trust and love for God. If fear taints our understanding of submission, we've allowed the enemy to steal our trust in God. Reflect on where you struggle to trust him and reclaim what has been taken. When you trust and submit to Jesus, his love will naturally flow through you. Let the transformative power of trusting and submitting to Jesus positively impact your relationships, turning submission into a source of delight. I, I literally expected there to be 11 people here this morning. So I am so happy to see you all. And for all of you watching online, currently uh, you know, flooded in by a quarter inch of rain, we love you. Uh, if by chance uh, the, the lights are flickering, this literally is the storm of the decade, so please be safe. Um, but if, there, if all of a sudden we lose you online, um, we're in heaven and we hope you meet us there. Uh, so uh, we love you guys. Uh, but on a serious note, literally, it, if there is anybody here within the next 24 hours where you are encountering some sort of disaster or problem, uh, would you please call uh, one of us, call anybody in the church uh, you can reach out to us, and the cavalry will come, and we will help you, okay? And nobody got to do this alone. Well, hi, friends. Good morning. Uh, if you are new or visiting with us at Coastal Community, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Um, we believe three things as a church, and we say this every week because we forget every week. Um, number one, there's always hope beyond our brokenness. Every single person is going to experience a moment, uh, moment after moment after moment where, where we feel like we're just dying in a pile. And sometimes it's circumstance, sometimes it's because of our own issues, sometimes we're struggling in a relationship and we, we need help. And it feels, we feel disoriented, we feel lost, we, we feel like we gotta solve it all by ourselves. And the hope of the gospel is this, you are not alone and that your hope isn't based on whether or not it's all gonna work out the way that you think it is. Your hope is based on Jesus, and he never leaves you nor forsakes you. Amen? Amen. The second was we're called to learn how to trust our Lord and Savior, and he's risen. He's alive. Oh, my gosh. Worship proof. God's spirit is alive and here in this place, and we are called to learn how to trust him moment by moment, bit by bit, more and more with our hearts, Right? We give access to God more and more and more. I wish there was a pill or a sermon I could preach or a series of verses y'all could memorize and all of our problems would go away. And we would just have full faith all the time and never have to worry. Um, but that's not life and that's not what it means to be a fragile human being. And so we learn together as the body of Christ how to trust God. We support each other. When, when I can't sing the songs, you sing them with me and for me, and over me. Amen? Amen? Last, we're called to bring restoration. And we do that in a whole lot of different ways at this church, whether it's change for a dollar or helping with... Uh, we had a team of people on Friday cook Cal Poly students a bunch of burgers and then uh, uh, introduce them to the love of God through meat. Right? <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. And there's all kind of different things that we do from 
gathering furniture from different hotels and then giving it away to people who could never afford it, to loving junior high and high school kids who are molting. Uh, and we, 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 we do all sorts of kind of things to bring restoration. But the thing that we want you to understand is that you get to do that now. You don't have to wait. And you don't have to sign up and, and, and join an activity in order to bring restoration. God is using you right now. Your words, your faith, your love, your kindness, your forgiveness, your repentance to change your family, to change your marriage, to change everybody within your reach right now. Do you understand that? You are the restoration filled with God's spirit. It's you. And I'm so grateful for you guys. You guys are amazing. I love you so much. So each one of these truths has a choice. And so we say this every week because to choose to, to love Jesus and to trust him is a choice we get to make. So let's choose this together. If you want, read it out loud and we'll choose it together again today. Ready? Today, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first. And I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about marriage. Isn't that fun and exciting and wonderful? I don't know. Maybe two, three weeks, I'll work it out. I don't know. It's where we are in Ephesians, right? That's just, I follow where the text leads. Um, and then, of course, I get dragged through it. So welcome to my life. Um, so today, I want to give you a foundation. And this is what Paul does when he first talks about marriage. He's going to give us a foundation first. And we need to understand that foundation. So I'm going to zoom in a little bit, but also zoom out a little bit. And then next week, we'll talk about different practical things, dynamics, what you can do, how you can grow together. And then the week after, probably like that. And then finally, when we get to the armor of God in Ephesians 6, of course, that's all about marriage, right? <laughs> and, uh, and we'll talk about that as well. Uh, but let's remember where we are in Ephesians first. Okay, so a couple weeks ago, feels like a couple years ago, we read at the end of Ephesians 4 to be kind and compassionate and forgiving to each other just as Jesus has done for us. Does that make sense? So being loved by Jesus, receiving his kindness allowing him to have compassion where we are, which means we're talking to him and listening to him, receiving his forgiveness. Now we have something to give away. You picking up what Paul's putting down? Give me an amen. Yes. So then Paul continues in the very next verse, and we read this two weeks ago before Mia preached her wonderful sermon. Thank you, Mia. Where are you? There you are. Thank you for preaching. Appreciate you. What a great sermon. Thank you. So after G Paul says, be kind and compassionate and forgiving, then Ephesians 5.1 goes like this. You can read this with me. Follow God's example. Now, you know what that example is because he just said it. What is it? Kind, compassionate, forgiving. Yeah? Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, not intentions, not hopes and dreams, not I'll get to that next week. It's now. It's present tense. I am walking in kindness and compassion and forgiveness to the people around me. That's not easy. In fact, by yourself, it's impossible. And so Paul wants to help you understand that you can only walk in love if you are receiving love 
just as Christ loved you and gave himself from you. That's why we worship. That's why we're filled with the Spirit. That's why we pray, because we're asking God to do things in us that we can't do by ourselves, right? Walk in kindness and compassion and forgiveness for longer than 11 minutes by yourself. I dare you, <laughs> right? You'll be so mad at minute 12. I can't do this anymore, right? It'll be great. Um, so that's what Jesus does for us. So uh, now, Last week, or two weeks ago, in that same passage, then Paul helps us understand what to do when the people around you are not kind and compassionate and forgiving. So we talked about what do you do with fools? And we talked about that, right? You hand them over to their consequences. You, you let them experience the consequences of their own behavior, and then they'll learn. Fools rush in and then learn from making that mistake, Yes. And all of us have been foolish at times in our lives, right? Yeah. We've all learned from crashing our life into a wall, hopefully, right? Now, there's another category of people that just love crashing your life into a wall, and those are, those are people in debauchery or evil. And Paul says, love them from a distance, wave and be kind and compassionate as you separate yourself from their tornado. Does that make sense? And you can't figure out how to do any of that by yourself. You need each other. You need each other. Separating yourself from someone who is a, a, a tornado isn't never talking to them again. It's not cutting them out of your life. It's saying, I'm going to love you from a distance while you figure out how to not be hurtful in every interaction. Does that make sense? So then, here we are. In th this, that's where we left off two weeks ago in Ephesians. Now Paul's going to talk about things uh, today. They're going to freak you out. So we need to pray first. Can we do that? Okay. Holy Spirit, we need you. Open our ears and our eyes. Lord Jesus, to you, show us what that looks like. Show us what these verses mean in our life. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. Remind us of your heart for us. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. We love you, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Okay, so can I have permission to talk to you about your heart and what it looks like to listen and trust and obey God? Can I, can I talk to you, the part of your heart that struggles to do that? Yes. Can I talk to the part of you that struggles in your relationships to actually trust another human being? Yes. Can I talk to that part of your heart? So 17 people, that's, that's way more than I expected. So I'll call that a win. Okay, uh, if you've ever done any kind of leadership stuff or business stuff, you've probably heard of a guy named John Maxwell, national New York Times number one bestseller. I think he's up to 40 something books now, all on leadership and whatnot. One of his first big successes was a book on what are the different kinds of leaders and why are they unsuccessful versus successful. And he talked about uh, the lowest form of leadership, which is bad, and the highest form of leadership, which is good. The lowest form of leadership is leadership based on your position, right? So it's, you will do what I want you to because I'm the boss. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, we do this with kids, right? You need, you're going to do that right now. No, I'm your parent now, right? How do they respond? They don't. At, at all. Good luck with that one, right? 
uh, nor does it work when they're a teenager or when they're in their 20s or 40s or 50s, and you all know that as well, right? I'm your mom. They're like, so, neener, 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 right? Uh, so when you are dictating behavior because you are in a position of authority or leadership, right, you can force someone to do something for a time. That's the police officer that says, stop, put your hands up, or the drill sergeant that says, drop and give me 20, or the boss that says, you will do this now, right? But it doesn't create an environment where you flourish. And that's why it's the lowest form of leadership. The highest form of leadership, John Maxwell writes, is when a boss comes underneath you to support you, shows you where you operate and how your job is so important, your role is so significant, gives you an understanding of the bigger picture, and then also helps you in your own talents to grow in your talents so that you become the best kind of person that you are. Yes, they're your leader and they're your boss, they're, they're in charge, but your experience of them is that they're always there helping you to go through every step so that you can become successful. That's the highest form of leadership. You picking up what I'm putting down? John Maxwell did not make this up. This comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Are you ready? Here's how it goes. Read this with me. Are you ready? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, calm down. (laughs) What does submit mean? Are you ready? Here it is. To submit... Next slide, is to put another first, to lift another up, to literally come underneath another person for their benefit. To submit to another is to yield your preferences for theirs, to accept their needs as your first priority. Uh, Jordan Peterson, uh, the author and the psychologist, says that to submit, actually this is what his wife said, to submit is to say, I'm gonna let go of my momentary whims so that we as a team can do something bigger and greater together. Does that make sense? So go back to the previous slide. Read this with me again. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So who submits to who? Everybody all the time to one another. Isn't that great? Okay, so what does this look like real time? It's to say and to live out, look, I'm working for your best. I'm working for your benefit. I am putting you first. Submitting to another person isn't ignoring your needs. It's not silencing your voice. It's not giving up your brain to mindlessly follow their commands. Submitting to another person is to love them well. So anybody here fall in love? That's the best. Why? Because you just want to put that other person first. I mean, you're sharing, they're sharing about what they're going through, and you're like, I got you. Oh, I'm going to set aside my, I mean, Valentine's Day is coming up, right? You, you set aside your time, you set aside money, you set aside priority, and you put them first, and you say, how can I love you? How can I support you? What do you need? I got you, babe. I got you. Isn't, that's easy to do when you're in love, right? And then all of a sudden, you're sharing about what's going on in your life, and you're like, oh, I'm stressed about this, or I really could use this, or I need help here. And then all of a sudden, the one that you love is doing those things. And how do you guys feel when that happens? <gasps> you feel amazing. 
You never have to ever, when you're in love, you never have to tell the other person, submit to me. Amen. Ever. <laughs> Why? Because you're both doing that for each other. You're both coming underneath each other to support each other, to love each other, to care for each other, no matter what. That's you, what you want to do. Now, here's what's cool. When a church submits to one another, you know what that looks like? It looks like this. That's why this is so incredible, what's going on in here, is because you guys be like, how can I help? Debbie asks for help for the women's ministry, right? Her phone's going to blow up this week, right? Because people want to come underneath her and support her. Denise puts together the funniest video on planet Earth for the children's ministry, right? And she has six volunteers. She needs more. Why? Because we want to come up underneath our children and submit to them and love them and put care for them and put them first. Does that make sense? You people have needs in our congregation. You guys, you, get, you think, Jesus, what do you want me to do this, this month with my money? And you're like, Jesus says, but, you know, put this much money towards the deacons and make sure the lights can stay on and you know, the staff gets, you know, they can eat and stuff like that. And you give generously and you're putting other people first. And miracles break out because of it. Literally. Miracles are breaking out here because you guys are sticking together. It's grace, not perfection. It's mercy, not striving. We're submitting to each other, and it's easy to do because there's so much love here in this church. Amen? But we live in a broken world, and I know what you're thinking. Well, Andy, I've been broken by people. I'm not going to submit to them. And other parts of you are thinking, like, well, I've broken another person. I, I can never be trusted with another person's heart again. And in our pain, the word submit feels absolutely awful. Yes? Yes? It does. We've all had bosses and teachers and coaches or even spouses that force us to do something because of their position. And how does that feel? Awful. We don't want to listen to them. We want to quit the team. We want to be done. We want to be out. Why? Because that's the weakest form of all leadership. So then when we read the next verse in verse 22, sometimes this verse makes our skin crawl because we don't know how to handle this. And also it's been so poorly preached across generations. Are you ready? Here it goes. Read this with me. Ready? Verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as you do to the Lord. This verse has caused so much pain with women, and can I just say I'm sorry that you've had to go through that, right? 21 is submit to one another, so it's clearly that husbands are supposed to submit to their wives, but this verse is like, men are like, yeah, you better do what I told, right? Because I'm the man, I'm the husband, and you're the wife, right? And then some pastors are like, well, the husband is the head of the church, but the wife, well, head of the family, but the wife is the neck, so, you know, she's really... You know, which is not a, unbiblical at all or helpful, right? So, I, look, when you're in love, ain't nobody got to tell you to submit to each other, right? Okay? Uh, but too often, women been taught that submit means to be quiet and obey without, without question. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Uh, too often, women have been taught that submit means that men get to do anything that they want and women have to accept it. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God never asks us to submit to abusive people, ever. 
What do you do with fools? You hand them over to your consequences. Wives, you are very good at doing this, right? Oh, really? Oh, you're going to say that? Oh, you're going to do that? Okay, here you go, right? You're like, uh-uh, on the couch tonight, sir. No, right? What do we do with evil people? We put up firm boundaries. What do we do with people who are misleading us or mistreating us? Paul says literally in chapter 5, in the end of chapter 4, beginning of chapter 5, we don't yoke ourselves with them. Does that make sense? So what does submitting to your husband actually look like? Well, you support your man. You put him first. You love him. You treat him just as Jesus treats you. Kindness, compassion, forgiveness. Now, he's putting your needs first, so you get to put his needs first. Now, you might lose your mind reading this next verse, but just stay with me. Are you ready? Lord, help. Here we go. Verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he's the Savior. Who's the Savior? Jesus. Slow down. Read it carefully. Who's the, sla- who's the Savior? Nope. <laughs> Starts with a J, ends with an S, got an E and an S and a U in it. Are you ready? Who's the Savior? Jesus. Who's the Savior? Why should wives ever submit to their husbands? Because their husbands are loving them just as God loves us. Look, the power is all flickering, right? So good, volume up, right? I better not overstress this thing, right? How did Jesus love the church? He laid his life down for us. That's how husbands love their wives. Women, do you want to come underneath and support and prioritize and love and encourage a man who lays his life down for you. 16 women out of at least 75. Do you want to love and prioritize and care for and let let a man lead and, and be with you if he's laying down his life and supporting you every step of the way? Do you hear that, guys? This is what every human being wants in a relationship, that I just keep on loving you and loving you and loving you, and you just keep on loving me and loving me and loving me, and then every moment, every need is is like a gift being unwrapped with the love of my life caring for me at every step of the way. Who doesn't want that? Jesus is kind and compassionate and forgiving He doesn't lead us by commanding us with threats or forcing our behavior under duress, but he woos us. Ladies, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you submit and let the man lead? You do this, you love him the same way that God loves you. You woo him, you encourage him, you bless him. Who's the savior? Husbands, only the men. Who's the savior? You sure about that? Because you're trying awfully hard to do it all by yourself. I'm preaching to myself right now. Husbands, your calling is to be so humbled and loved by the overwhelming grace of Jesus to you that the same grace that you're allowing God to pour out in your life and to cover your sins, the vulnerability that that creates in you, is this is what, this is what your wives need. 
for you to, to be a man that is strong enough to confess their sins and say, I don't know what I'm doing. God, I need your help. And then to be vulnerable enough to speak that to the love of your life and then put them first and lay your life down for them. And women, you will do the same and it'll work. It'll work. But maybe not. Why? Because we stink at this next verse. Are you ready? Here it is. We absolutely stink. This is not a, uh, this is like a 99.9% of us stink at this next verse. Are you ready? Here it goes. Why do we do all of this? Why do men and women submit to each other? What, why is it that, that right, in, in a family that here is the man who is the head and he's laying his life down for his family and then everybody wants to get on that train? Right? Why, why would this ever work? Verse 24, read with me. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. You, you skipped over it. You went right to the second half of the verse, and you're like, I don't want to do that. But you can't ever do the second half of the verse if you never understand what the first half of the verse means. What is it? Read this before the comma. Now... As the church submits to Christ, we don't know how to do this in America at all, at all. Like, I didn't submit to Jesus for already f- over 40 years. I went through seminary. I was pastoring. I was a hospital chaplain. I had no idea what it looked like to submit my life to Jesus, none. I just thought if I just say the words right? Or if I have these four spiritual laws and I read this pamphlet and say the magic Jesus prayer, then I'm in. And that was all that God wanted from me. And that is not what it looks like to actually follow Jesus, to submit my life under him and say, your kingdom come. See, I was taught how to pray your kingdom come. But what I really meant was, Jesus, I want you to bless my kingdom come and my will be done. And Lord, give me the strength to do what I want to do today, right now. And give, Lord, give me what I want right this moment. I took the individualistic culture of America and I said, this is what it must be. If I just sprinkle Jesus on top, then I'm good to go into heaven. That's not what it looks like to submit at all. What it looks like to submit to Jesus is to literally say, what would you have me do next? How could I love? Who could I sacrifice for? Jesus, it's not give me strength. There's nothing wrong with praying for strength, but To submit to Jesus might look a prayer like this. Jesus, where are you working right now? And how can I join you? Do you see the difference? You and I have experienced so much pain in our lives. And we don't trust submitting to each other often because we don't want to get hurt again. And it's understandable. And in that pain of not submitting to one another because of, uh, of, of pain then we stop submitting to God as well. We say, God, how could you allow this? And God's like, it was their free will. I'm not gonna take that away. And we blame God for stuff happening. And God's like, I I told them 75,000 times to stop and they didn't. It's on them, not on me. And so we struggle with trusting God and submitting to God because of pain. So I was talking to my friend Luke. Um, He's graduated Cal Poly. I was a 
I was his mentor for a while when he was in college, and now he's grown. And it's so much fun when you get to mentor college kids because then they go off and they get married, and now he's a firefighter, and he's literally saving lives, and he's in San Diego, and he and his wife Sarah want to move back to the coast, but they don't necessarily know how it's going to work out. And as we were talking this last week, Jesus told me that the enemy had stolen from Luke so much, and he was so afraid about making the risk to come up to the Central Coast because he was afraid that God would let him down every step of the way. Can any of you relate? I'm so afraid about what's going to do next because God won't take care of me. I'm so afraid to give because God won't provide for me. I'm so afraid to forgive because God won't really take away my pain. I'm so great, so afraid to let go of my demand for justice because I don't believe that God truly sees me. I'm so afraid to wait. It's just easier to take what's in the dumpster rather than to wait what's on the banquet table. And we don't trust God because we've experienced so much pain and it's understandable I never trust a God with all my money because I never thought that God would provide. So I'll just give, I'll trust God with 6%, but not the whole of it, right? 10% is a little bit too much. God didn't really want that much. Actually, God doesn't want 10%. He wants 100%. He's happy for you to live in a home and have all the things, but he wants you to see that at the end of the day, you die and you can't take anything with you. It's all his. I didn't trust God with all my sins because I thought God was angry and disappointed with me. So here I was trying to make myself better, separating myself from God because I didn't believe that if, God, if I really confessed all of them, God would forgive me for all of them. It's quiet in here, so I'm assuming I'm touching a chord. <clears throat> so what did I do? For 20 plus years in my Christian life, I practiced hiding, I practiced performing, I practiced holding back all the parts of my life that I didn't think God was enough for, and I called that my walk with Jesus. Because why? Because at the end of the day, I thought that God wasn't enough for me. He was disappointed in me. He really didn't like me. He, I had lost plan A, B, C, D, and E for my life, and I was on LMNOP, and that was going to be horrible, that I wasn't really loved by God. What a lie from the pit of hell. Look at you. Do you understand how significant you are to my life? You are the living, breathing inheritance that God actually loves me. You have no idea how important you are in my life. You're proof that God isn't done with me. You're evidence that God cares about me. You're such a gift to me. Thank you. Thank you. See, while I was his enemy, he died for me. As the hope of the gospel has been spoken over my heart, heart, God the, Holy help, God the Holy Spirit helped me see. And that's why Zed picked all the songs they did this morning about the love of God. The reckless, overwhelming, unending, mountain-climbing, door-shattering love of God to love you, to love you, to love you, to love you. That's a God you can trust, and that's a God you can submit to. Do you understand? That's a God that you can trust with everything that you have and say, your kingdom, come. 
and your will be done. And what I've realized is that in my separation from God or in thinking that God doesn't really have the best for me, that the enemy has stolen part of my inheritance. And I'm asking you today, do you want to take your inheritance back? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Come on now, sit up, roll your shoulders. Are you ready to do some battle? Are you ready to do some work? Are you ready to take back what's stolen from you? Are you sure? Yes. I'll never forget when I got robbed when I was 13 years old, somebody stole my jams I got from Venice Beach and my MC Hammer pants. And I looked at all of the kids in my junior high school and I thought, and I was waiting for the day when one of them would come to school with my clothes on, right? Because I was going to take them back. Are you ready to take your inheritance back? Yes. Pray this with me. Jesus. Ready? Hold on. We'll start again so we can do it all together. Jesus, I'm exhausted with not trusting your love and care for me. I take you back as my Savior. I take you back as my provider. I take you, Heavenly Father, back as my protector, my healer, the one who is working for my best. And I take back my confidence and hope in you, Jesus. I take back my love for you, God. I submit all of me to you, Jesus. Amen? Amen. If you're trusting Jesus, submitting to him from you will flow all the love that Jesus is pouring into you, and you will love like Jesus loves you, and I will gladly submit my life to you. So wives, you will gladly submit your life to your husband when he's loving you like Jesus. Men, are you ready? Gird thy loins. Verse 25. Husbands, read with me. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Ready? Wives, hold your husband's hand. Elbow him in the ribs. Let's read it again. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, everything that Paul's going to say next is what Jesus has done for the church. Does that make sense? It's not what husbands are going to do for their wives. It's what Jesus has done for the church. Are you ready? Because what Jesus did to make her holy, that's us, we're the collect of her, the church, the bride of Christ, To make her holy, he cleansed us by the washing with water through the word. That's our baptism. That's the hope of the gospel given to us. And he presented, that's us, to himself as a... Jesus makes you shine. Without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So how are husbands supposed to love their wives? Husbands, put your wives first as Jesus puts you first. And in, 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 well, I know, the doors are shaking. This is the best part of the sermon. Are you ready? Here we go. Just as Jesus held you gently in your arms and baptized you, 
Hold your wife. Touch her with gentleness. Be kind and gentle to her. Jesus, just as Jesus spoke words of hope over you in the gospel, speak words of hope to your wife. Speak over her life words of hope. Just as Jesus cleansed us and made us shine and never interacts with us according to our sin, but talks to us and presents us and shows us off in the truth that we are now without stain and blemish. Husbands, do the same for your wife. Do not interact with her according to her failures, but speak to her out of love according to the great beauty that she is. Amen? Amen. How the heck are you going to do this? Seriously, I'm going to land the plane right now, and I want to invite their worship team up because we're going to do communion, okay? How the heck are you going to do this? You guys, like, we've all had horrible times in our marriage. Me too. We've all had times where the stress of the kids and the finances, and all of a sudden, all of your great wounds match all of their great wounds, and both of you are triggering each other out like crazy. Say amen. That's the loudest amen of the morning. You're going to struggle with your finances. You're going to struggle with your health. You're going to struggle with your body changing. You're going to struggle with kids screaming at you. You're going to struggle with no kids. You're going to struggle with infidelity. You're going to struggle with all kinds of crazy things in your life. And the only way that you're going to be able to actually love each other and put each other first is that if you start receiving the love God has for you so you can give it away. And if there's one thing that Jesus is teaching me in this season in my life, it's this. Andy, keep your eyes on me. Andy, keep your eyes on me. Don't look at what's happening around. Keep your eyes on me. Let me love you, Andy. And I'm wondering if you'd let God love you right now. As we receive communion, would you let him love you? So you've got something to give away. It's the only way any friendship, any work relationship, any marriage, any parent-child relationship is going to work. Let God love you. Would you be willing to do that? And then let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you bless and seal all of the good things that you're doing in our life that have been sung over us and spoken over us today? As the storms rage and demand our attention, Lord, we say no. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. And right now we receive your love. And as we take this bread and, and, and this wine, Lord, what we're doing is that we're saying, I let you all the way in. I submit all of me to you. I surrender gladly to the one who's head over heels in love with me. I just pray for courage for my friends and hope for my friends and so much love in this moment. And all God's people said. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, by his best friends, he took the bread and he said, I'm willing to break myself for you. Do you want 
to be loved like this. In the same manner after supper, he took the cup and he goes, this is the new covenant, which is now in my blood. I'm willing to pour out my life for you. Would you be willing to be loved by God like this? And so when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we are ingesting the love of God so that we have it to give it away. You have your communion cup. If you're at home or online, hopefully you got something. This is the blood of Jesus poured out to forgive and cover every one of your sins. He's with you and he loves you and you are his. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and lift up his countenance. That's his delight in you. And give you the peace that passes all understanding. And may the Lord keep you dry and safe today. And all God's people said, have a great day, y'all. Take care. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California, and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 1040 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.